This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, everyone, wish me luck to get this right this time. Yes, I, I literally did this yesterday and then taught a completely different class. So it was just kind of in the background. Um, we're going we're gonna to try this again. You know, please, that I'll stay on point. Uh, you started? Yeah. Okay. So welcome. Uh, what we're doing is part two of a class I started two days ago uh, where we handled Baruch HaNatah. We're doing these six words. These six words are like the Jewish mantra. We say it all the time in all our, in all our blessings, Baruch HaNatah. Hashem Elokeinu Mevet Ha'olam, except no one knows what in the world they're saying. And so what we're doing is making, slowing it all down so we can see what is it we keep saying all the time. And what you find is each word is really a hyperlink that you can click on and take you to a completely meditative realm, which brings, when I say meditative, I mean that you can, the word meditative, meditate, means you can focus. So a realm that you can focus into that, uh, that shifts you inside, that connects you to God, and is, uh, it's all good news. So blessings, instead of being in the way of your food, like for example, I want some water, but I can't just drink it. I gotta make a blessing. So instead of being in the way of the drink, so I can use these things and just focus in on it. Knees is the word birkayim, the root of the word bet resh chaf is knees. Knees are humblers, see my height, now look, knees, okay? It lowers your height a lot. It humbles you. The fact that I drink this with a, bl- I stop and pa- I pause, make a blessing and drink, dif- distinguishes me from the animal kingdom that just goes straight to the trough and starts licking it up. Yeah, we don't just lick it up. We, we stop for a second. We pause. We think, what's the source of this thing? What is, what is the source of this? And that's why the word pool in Hebrew is, Berecha. It's also the same root. Recha, which is the, today we, we live in a more leisurely world, so we think pools are good for swimming in. But historically, pools were what you irrigate your food with. Pools are what you sustain the world with. It's the source of sustenance. So just by saying bracha, first of all, the fact that I pause, I don't just stick my head in the trough. And secondly, that I'm, I am humbling myself into into this. Uh, we need chairs already. Okay. What's up, ladies? Are you together? You can just move. I don't know who's... Oh, you, you guys, uh, consolidate that a little bit. No, we have chairs. We have some chairs. We'll see if we need more. Okay, you girls are set? So, when I stop to make that brocha, I say, Baruch. I've already humbled myself. And because I'm making a brocha. God's the source of this water. Atah is you is the essence because 
you know, what does it really mean? I mean, when someone says you to you, it doesn't mean anything. No. When, I, when you say I, when you say the word I to refer to yourself, does that is, that is your essence. So when you, also, if I say you, how are you? What would you like to do today? Who, who are you? I love you. If I say any of those things to you, what is the you? Is the you, can I really point to the you and point to your chest? That's not you. That's clothing. If we, if we go, oh, ladies, two more seats. No problem. We've got two seats right here. Holy brother, can you just slide these seats back and then you'll put that one where you're sitting? Give these the two ladies a seat. Next to these ladies. Seating people. Oh, and then we have one more table. One more table for two right here. A little later. You can put the chairs next to each other if you guys want to hold hands or something. Now, that's Baruch. Ata is um, the essence, just like your essence. When I say your essence, what is the you in that sentence? I don't know. Can't point to it. But point here, it's your skin or, or blood or bones or heart. You're not a pump. Heart just pumps blood. But point here, it's your head, your brain. That's, that's also not you. They've never found a person inside a brain. All they find is microscopic little doodads that fire or don't fire. Fire or don't fire? They're called, neurons. They're called neurons. They either fire or don't fire. That's all they do. They're just ones and zeros. They're just binary. And I don't think you're a one or a zero. Do you think you're a one or a zero? No, you're not a neuron. You're not one of them. And if you put them all together, that doesn't make it up who you are either. You're, if you're not one of them, you can't be all of them. Okay? So that's essence, when we call God you. Does this make sense to everybody? Yesterday people said I was speaking over their heads, even though it was a totally different subject. Uh, does anyone need me to define terms better than I'm already doing? Would you be honest? Yes. Thank you. What? Just the last, the, the atah, just again. Why it's essence? Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do it with you. Okay. If I call you you, how are you? What's up with you? Are you hungry? You know, how you feeling? Yeah, all that you in each of those sentences. Who is it that I'm speaking to? This is where we got stuck, yes, because we did the whole rest of the class on this. Who is it I'm speaking to? Who it, does it show up physically? Does it show up anywhere in your physicality? Okay, so you explain. If I even ask how you're feeling, like meaning how's your body doing today? But I'm asking how are you feeling? How are you feeling in regards to your body's health? But you're not that. You're not your body. You have a body. And our bodies let us know when they're not feeling well. So I'm asking, how are you feeling? When you say, how are you feeling to someone physically? What you're really saying, how are you feeling about your body's health today? Because your body lets you know. If, you're not, if your body's not feeling very well, it's going to let you know. And then you could say, well, my body's feeling achy. <laughs> you could say that. But you can't say, you couldn't say necessarily, in, with being accurate, you couldn't say, I'm feeling achy. Because you could never ache. Do you get that? You could never have an ache or a pain. This is why people in like Asia can like, you know, I don't know what happens. Like the guy, the guru gets hit by a train and all that's left is, a, you know, the only thing he's got left is his left arm. Just kidding. The only thing he's got left is his body without his left arm or something. And 
and and he's just totally just as blissed out as before because his consciousness of his true consciousness is not missing an arm. And this is also why people who miss an arm actually feel the arm a little bit because the consciousness doesn't care if the arm's there. And and the people in tremendous pain, as long as they're conscious, there is no pain. It's an amazing thing. Like, like uh, uh, I have a direct experience of, of ex- you know, people who are waiting in line for surgery, but they haven't had the surgery yet. And so they've just decided, well, till they, till their surgery, they'll just have to live in total consciousness. And they take no painkillers, no nothing. This is someone who needs surgery for a painful ailment. They're going into surgery because of the pain. And they're, but they got to wait because there's a long list of people going before them. So it's going to be months. There are no painkillers. They're just staying extra conscious. So mean? when I ask them later, are you happy about what you went through and having to wait so long for surgery, they were like, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because now I'm conscious. I would love to be able to use my leg better, so I'm waiting for the surgery. I'd like to be able to get back on the whatever, the horse, or wherever they, whatever they like to do with their left leg. They'd like to get back to doing it, but it was the greatest gift they could have ever gotten. Because they, and this is the problem with painkillers is... That uh, is that it's a quick way to cheat your chance to uh, to transcend the body's vicissitudes, which means nothing to anybody in 2018. But it gives you the ability to transcend your body's little ups and downs, which is you know part of the goal here because you have a body. This is why Rav Noach Weinberg used to always, like, he'd smack you if you said you were tired. <laughs> You've never been tired. And when you're asleep, you're more busy than when you're awake because, you know, your, your consciousness goes on a wild journey when you're asleep. He says, you're more busy when you're asleep than when you're awake. Don't tell me you're tired. You're going to go to sleep. Now you're really going to be busy. And, and when we say we're hungry, we say, listen, Rabbi, I, I just got to go get something to eat. I'm hungry. He'd say, you're not hungry, your body's hungry. You can't possibly be hungry. And if you are, if you're really hungry, then Torah is the only thing you could eat. What else are you going to eat besides Torah? Because food does not affect, food is not going to help your consciousness. It'll keep your body alive. But it's not going to, you can't feed your consciousness with food. Get the idea? What does it mean to focus on your consciousness? Like these people waiting for the surgery. What exactly are they focusing on? Oh, when you're purely conscious, there's no pain. There's really no body either. And there's no selfishness. So, Meaning that consciousness that I'm always talking about in this class. Here we go again. We're never going to... Forget it. I'm not going there. Okay? The, we're over here. Oh, God. That's what he just tried. I don't know what you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. My body... Does my hair do look normal? I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not like, I'm, I'm not like in a normal context right now. Okay? I'm, not, I'm not doing the normal. Uh, I'm not involved in normal. You know, although I look very normal in my community, I just don't act very normal in my community. Anyway, I'm like super normal. I'm above. But I still dress normal for my community. You know, 
got to marry your kids, though. No. <laughs> no, contemporaries. What is the contemporary part? Is that you don't call things, you, you don't call people or beings that you respect by the second person. Atta is you, and you is second person, and it is chutzpah to call God you. But when you humble the body, what rises up? When you humble the body, what rises? Soul, which is what we've been discussing the whole time, is consciousness. When you get conscious, you are now a contemporary of God, and you call him you, because you're contemporaries. Why? How are you contemporaries? Because your consciousness, that's, that's you, has to come from somewhere. Where does it come from? Where does that come from? It comes from God. So it's part of God. It's basically of God. And therefore, you and God are on a you, on a second person basis. Clear? So, in other words, Baruch is the gateway to Atah. You can't really use the word Baruch. Sorry, you can't really use the word Atah until you first said Baruch. Does that make sense to you, brother? No? Does that make any sense to you? You gotta first say Baruch to get to Atah. I thought Atah didn't mean anything. Just the fact that we're using it. We really should be saying who? Baruch who? That would be appropriate. Yeah. It would be appropriate that we said Baruch who? That's appropriate. But the Kabbalists say Baruch Atah is chutzpah. And they explain that the only reason you're allowed to say Atta is because you are... By the way, who's also essence? Okay, you got that? Right. Who's also essence? Well, no, I'm saying, forget the is it appropriate aspect, but... Um, Whoa, yeah. No, you can do that. No, but next time you just hit the reverse. <laughs> There's a button that goes yeah, the other way. It's got two cameras. I'm saying, you just said that the Atta doesn't mean anything. That yeah. it's the... That it doesn't have any... It doesn't mean anything because you're not... This is essence. Right. No, I don't, I don't get it. Oh, when I said it doesn't mean anything, the reason you can switch it back and forth nicely is because then it switches right back over to here. Yeah. Um, just keep it off the volume knobs. Um, the, when I say it doesn't mean anything, what I mean is it's your essence. It's your true essence. That mean, And that means everything. <laughs> that means a million times more than anything else you think means something. <laughs> Nothing means more than that. You get that, what I'm saying? When I say it doesn't mean anything... What I meant was, when I say you, it does not mean your stuff. It means your essence. I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about that. It means your essence. And so when we're saying atta about God, we're talking about the essence of God. Now, can you have something in mind when you're discussing the essence of something? Is there anything you could have in mind for God if you're talking about God's essence? Is there something you could conjure up in your mind? No. Whatever you would conjure up in your mind would be automatically wrong. Or right... But one of infinite rights. So therefore, extremely limited and not a good idea. Should I say that again? Whatever you would conjure up in your brain about who God is when you say the word you would be totally wrong. Or should I say it would be right? Here's a spot for you right here. Or should I say it'd be right, but amongst an infinite amount of rights about who God is in his essence. And, and, and really totally wrong. Why? Because it would probably more likely be a manifestation of God. Meaning anything you would think God is, He is. But it's just one more manifestation of God. 
What do you meant to think when you said? You got me. I have no idea. You know, I just, I basically, if I take my time on it, I'll think about whatever I think God is, and then, and then minus that. I do a little math equation. Okay, what? Whoever I think God is minus whatever I think God is, plus, and that's who He is. Plus that minus. Yeah, my, minus who I think God is. Um, what do I do? I don't know. I kind of take Shema. I take Shema as kind of my my lead for this. Because what do we do in Shema? You don't just close your eyes. Because if you close your eyes, there's a lot of light. Try this. Everyone close your eyes. A lot of light. Now, cover it with your hand and you'll see what I'm talking about. I take that as kind of my lead for Atta. That's the best form of Atta. Did you guys... How come I'm the only one doing that? That's embarrassing. Everyone close your eyes, please. Close your eyes for a moment. And then take your right hand, cover your eyes, and check out the difference. So then, that's pretty good for our top. That's pretty good. So, now you can, you can uncover your eyes now. Um, anyway, so that, that, that gives you somewhat of an inclination of what to have in mind. Can you imagine people start covering their eyes for our top? <laughs> you're like, you're like, but it's probably not a bad idea. Now, we're moving on. We've got to move on. This, I did this two days ago. Can you give another word for contemporary? Contemporaries? You're on the same level. Two judges playing tennis are contemporaries. They're on the same level. They don't say, would your honor serve? They don't, they don't speak in third person like that. Colleagues. Yeah. Would your honor serve? What's that? I I didn't hear the very first word. That part I did hear. I just didn't hear the, did you say, why do we say, how do we say, what do we say? For Atta Kodesh? Yeah. So it, it's, when I say that, that Baruch, you have to say Baruch to get to Atta. So that can also be a state of, of who you are. For example, anyone saying Atta Kodesh is in a state of prayer. He is in a state of humility. That's what you're doing there. You're probably in shul, too. So you're like totally, like, meaning being in a minion, there's nothing more humbling. I mean, you might as well, like, you know, castrate the guy. You know, the fact that you're, you have to pray with men is the most ridiculously humbling thing in the world. You'll see so many men just can't take it. We can't take it. You ladies think we want to go to minion? It's so humbling. You could be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and you walk into a room where they're trying to get 10 men, and they, when you walk in, they're like, seven? And you're like, who are you calling seven? You know who this is? Do you know who you're talking to, man? And the, and, sorry, CEOs don't talk that way. But the, the... Some do. Some do. <laughs> None do. Not from the Fortune 500. So, anyway, the uh, it's extremely humbling to pray in minions. And you know why men have to pray in minions? Do you know why? There's two reasons. One is Kabbalistic, because um, if you can't concentrate in prayer, the prayers don't go nowhere. They stay here. So, if you pray with ten men, they go up. So... If you're not the kind of guy who can concentrate on all of your prayers, meaning every single one, which is almost nobody I've ever met, 
And if you can't concentrate on all your words, so by being with 10 men, they just go up on the backs of everybody. So if you're, you know, this is really good for prayer of the ADHD who can't concentrate on nothing. So you always pray. Anyone who's ADHD never misses a minion. Like, that's it. Like, an ADHD person prays only a minion or he might as well, you know, like, just say it as fast as possible. You got to say it. So you say it quickly or something. Just get, at, get it over with. Because that's not going anywhere anyway. You're just Doesn't fulfilling your obligation. Like that? What's that? Doesn't God give allowances for that? Yeah, he does. He gave this amazing gift called a minion. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I thought if you're that's doing the that. allowance. You can go join a minion, and then maybe your prayers will get somewhere. Yeah. I thought if you're doing it just to discharge your obligation, then it doesn't count. No, of course it counts. It's in the Gemara. Discount an obligation? Yeah, just like... Discharge your obligation? Discount yeah. <laughs> to fulfill an obligation is fine. You're allowed to do that. Yeah. It's a fine kavana. It's not a strong one. It's the. It's called the first rung on Jacob's ladder. I'm doing it because I was told to. Okay, that's the first rung. Um, I got to speak for you right here. I seat people. I mean, I normally don't. Wouldn't put you right in the front row, but that's the deal. So that's all I got. We only have a seat by the kitchen. Do you mind sitting there? So the. Oh, by the way, I'm doing a class tonight in Kedma. It's called Beer and... Beer and... I forget what the class is called. Beer and some. In Kedma and Mamila tonight. What? Beer and steak. Oh, it's Beer and steak it's called? It's Kedma. Anyway, and I'm inviting you to a class I don't even know you're invited to. (laughs) What time are they? But it's people in their 20s, men and women in their 20s. Uh, It's uh, 8.30, I think it starts. But maybe I'm crazy and not supposed to be inviting you. I have no idea. So... If you ask after, I'll look up the advert that I'm in, you know, to find out if anyone can come. Um, but what about women if, if they're not, if they don't focus for the entire... Women? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's an amazing question. I don't know the answer. Um, the thing with women so different, though, because women don't need 10... Oh, I was in the middle of that, so re- ask in a minute, okay. or I'll remember in a minute. Okay. Men have two things for minions. One is that it makes your prayers go up, even if you don't know what you're, even if you don't know what you're saying. Uh, just one more thing while we're on it: if a man doesn't know what he's saying in prayer, but he says it in the holy tongue, it goes up. If a man knows what he's saying, but it's not in the holy tongue, like it's in English or something, or French or Japanese or Chinese, whatever, it goes up. As long as his, what happens to happen in Hebrew prayer is it either has to be in Hebrew out of your mouth, or it's got to be coming out of your head, no matter what the language. But you, and obviously the highest prayer is when it's coming out of your mouth, Hebrew with the head understanding, then those unite, obviously, with the heart connection. Up. So Hebrew goes up, even without your head. You need a minion. Other languages go up as long as you got the head. Because you're concentrating on the words, then that goes up. And uh, but uh, but another language without the Hebrew and your head's out to lunch, meaning you're thinking about other stuff. That's not going anywhere. So what if the minion goes too quick, so you don't have a chance to get it out of your head in a different language? <laughs> right? All you have to challenge. do is start with them. All you have to do is start with start. them. Yeah, you just have to start with them. What if you come in? Like, meaning you have to go in the silent prayer with them. Coming late, you got to skip around until you get to them. There's certain things you got to do. Don't ask right now what those things are. I'm not going to say right now. Okay? Next. Women. 
Yeah, so, so we're almost done, women. I didn't say the other thing the minion does. The other thing that minions do is they guarantee men pray. Because a man that says, I'm just going to pray alone, stops praying. Raise your hands, you know what I'm talking about. Be honest. Okay? The man, okay, the fingers are going up. The man who says, you know, I'm so uncomfortable, this is so humiliating, it is so emasculating to go pray with a bunch of men that I'm just going to pray alone. And so they just start praying alone. And then they just stop praying. The reason we have to pray with a group of men is men need somebody to say, where were you? <laughs> we need somebody to say, where were you? Where have you been? We need peer pressure to pray. Now the question is, why do men need peer pressure to pray and women don't? Men need peer pressure to pray because we are at odds with God. We are in a conflict with God because masculine is asserter, feminine is receiver. Masculine asserts, feminine receives. Well, men were born with a certain aspect of asserter. And because we have that asserter, so asserter and asserter just fight. It's a conflict. Asserter and asserter fight. And what happens is, and I'm not saying we're fighting with God, but it's just a conflict. And so we have to go into receiver mode to be able to pray. We have to be able to go into full receive mode, humbling ourselves into that state of prayer. Now, a man on his own will never do that. Men are basically marking every light post they walk by. You know, they're, they're constantly trying to make their mark. Yeah? And, see, some people got that. And, the, and you know, Judaism, God, prayer, reality, kind of reminds you that you're, you're a joker. I mean, can, can anyone in this room name one thing any of their relatives did 100 years ago? And those are your direct relatives. And you'll notice most men don't even care what their family thinks of them. They're trying to make sure everyone else knows what, who they are. <laughs> men, men will spend so much time, ladies, men will spend so much time out of the house so that everyone realizes they exist. When we ourselves don't remember what our own family members did, hundred years ago, for sure, no one else knows what they did. If anyone just had the slightest inclination of what one of your family members did hundred years ago, it's only because you're family. And so, but what are we doing like idiots? We're running around outside the family trying to let everyone know what we do when in fact, no one's going to remember us for it at all. And women don't care about that. It doesn't, that's not what bothers women all day. It bothers us men to no end, ladies. You have no idea how much it bothers us that, that no one's going to know who we were. You know, it really, really bothers us. And, and, but if we could just get over it, we'd probably spend more time with our families and more time in prayer, in, in synagogue. But uh, anyway, synagogue is tremendously humbling, but it, it is a machayev. It forces us. It forces us He's trying to look for the location of his question. In case you thought he was just going to study Talmud in the Ascensions course. He's, he was asking a question from the Talmud and perfectly managed to get a book and find it. So we bless you to find it by the end of class. Thank you. Uh, I'm almost there. So that's men. Ladies, if you come to, just if you come to my house on a Shabbos, I'll finish with If you come to my house on a Shabbos, what do you find? You find my five daughters, each one in a different, and my wife, each one, the six of them, 
each one in a different corner of the house with a prayer book like against their face. They're, they're just kind of like, they're kind of like this. You know, praying away. Like no one prompted them. Each one's just doing this naturally. And my um, sons, on the other hand, you cannot get them out of bed with a crowbar. It's, it's, like, it's like extracting something. You, 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 you can't get them out. And they, uh, I mean, you can get them out to a certain age. And then you have to just shut up. And then you have to shut up and pray. <laughs> but this is just the way it is when you're raising males. Okay? And I can see someone closer to my age is nodding. Um, now, uh, where are we at? Here? Yes, you. My question still stands though, because even, so if it's willing to get men to pray, um, so if women don't need that, let's say I pray to today, but I still am not always thinking about what it means, is what the minion also, like it also brings the prayers up. So the, the, it doesn't matter really so much. Um, it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter so much. You, you have no obligation to say any of the stuff we're saying. Yeah, but I still want them to go out. It's, it, your job is heartfelt prayer. And if it's better for you to do less and make it heartfelt than, than more. That's just coming out as just a, a barrage of words. Uh, you, it'd be better if you just, as long as it was heartfelt, to just say the three things, you know, praise, percussion, hoda, you know those three? So every woman's obligated to pray, but twice daily, once in the day, once at night. Um, and that is, or maybe I'm thinking this, twice of the day. I forget what it was, but you, oh, no, once daily, right? Just once daily. Twice daily? Right, but is it day or night or two days? Two days, like one in the morning, one in the afternoon? Really? right? Yeah, twice daily. Sorry, I mixed it up with learning. Men have to learn once in the morning, once at night. Even if it's one minute, but we can't learn less than that. And uh, women, twice daily, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And all they have to do is three things. Praise, request, and thanks. That's it. So you can say, God, you're amazing. Can you please help me find my son's socks? Thank you. <laughs> and as long as it's heartfelt, you just fulfilled your obligation. Is that fair? Is that fair? What we have to go through. What we have to do. Yeah, but you have a guarantee that it will go up. You don't. Yes, you do. It's just going to be heartfelt. Everything else is extra. Make it heartfelt. If you're saying too much, then slow, go back down to the minimals. By the way, the the Chofetz uh, Chaim in his introduction to prayer. In Mission Brew, he tell. He, I'm sorry, the Shulchan Aruch itself, not the the Shulchan Aruch itself says, says, pray less, feel more, mm-hmm. pray less, feel more. So, so for those of us who've been feeling a little bogged down by the amount you were asked to pray, so uh, listen to the Shulchan Aruch, pray less, feel more. You got that down to feel. Add something. But it's better to start with, with pray less, feel more, and then start adding, adding on to the, the stuff you're going to feel. And then build yourself into, you know, a real building of prayer, like a real man of prayer. And, and when you're a man of prayer, that means you've built it up to 
quantity and quality, meaning they're saying go for quality, not quantity, but you, once you get the quality of the low quantity, you can start building quantity as well. Yeah. Um, so, feel, your name. David, David. Uh, feel less, pray, uh, pray less, feel more, so that, that's applying to men as well? Or yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if a man yeah. does not feel they want to dive in Mars. It's not whether you want to or not. It's just to do less. So Mari is already bare bones, so there's not much you can do there. But Shachris, you can move around, meaning you, 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 can, you don't have to do every bit of, first of all, Corbonus, optional. Uh, Corbonus? Yeah, I mean, what I do is I say for sure I never miss, um, I never miss uh, the Tamid. There's just something about the word Tamid. <laughs> you know, tamid means always. So, like, it's really hard for me to skip the Tamid offering. So I basically committed it to memory, though I do check on myself once in a while, because you're not supposed to say Torah by heart. It's Torah, it's Torah passage on the, the offering that's called the continual offering, or Tamid. And that, that I, I have trouble skipping, but once you do the Tamid offering like 15 times a day, like in a row, for 15 days, just that paragraph, it's, it's not even 20 seconds. So you can say the Tamid offering... And then I, I do this, this, you know, you don't have to listen to me, you don't have to do this, but if I'm really stuck for time, I say the 11 spices of the incense offering. Why? Because I learned like months worth of Kabbalah on it. And how can I skip it after what I know about it? You understand? Like now that I know what those spices are and why we're saying it, so it's hard to skip it. Now, you know how long it takes me to say 11 spices? That's about a fraction of the time it takes me to say the Tamid offering. So if I'm in a rush, I just I say them before I even got to shul. I mean, I'm on my way, I'm running over to shul, and they're already done by the time I got up the stairs of the shul. Okay, so again, that's rushing. But then you just do Baruch Shema Asher Yishtabach. Yeah, Baruch Shema Asher Yishtabach. Go in your Birkas Krishma. Say those, and then Shmone Esrei. What you do after, we'll see. But uh, most likely you should do Ashrei, Uvalitzion, and Aleinu. Okay? But isn't that, like, not ideal? Yeah. Heart, heart. Get those totally in your heart, and then you can start adding from there. Okay. But, but dead prayer, is that's not ideal. If it doesn't detract, like, you're still going to feel the same feelings you would have, let's say, by Shimon Esrei. It doesn't detract to say more before it, but it, but by those those are not feeling anything. Is it still worth it? Still? I couldn't even hear what you said because we got to get back to okay. the anatomy of bracha. Sorry. Um, now, the next word of our blessing is is the name of God. I'm going to put a space for each character because you're not allowed to erase it otherwise. So we got the yud and the hey, and then another space, and then the vav space and then the hey. Okay? Now, this particular name of God is really an action. Okay, let me put the baseline here. You'll see how active it is. It's it's uh, the upper line represents the spiritual. The lower represents the physical. And it's a depiction that hey always represents the hey always represents dimension. So hey is dimension. And the Yud represents the idea or inspiration. 
And the vav represents implementation. So you'll see that names of God are really verbs. Names of God are verbs. That's why this is not a name. This is a pronoun. Pronouns are super holy. Names of God are verbs. Is that clear? Pronouns, super holy. Names of God are are verbs. Action words. So the... Okay, the yud, you see it's pure idea. It doesn't even touch the earth. Just like when you have an idea, it doesn't touch the earth. But you can't do anything with an idea without first getting into the dimension of that idea. I mean, it's a nice idea, but how are you going to get it done? you got to think it through. What are all the plans? What's, what's it going to take to make this happen, this idea? But even if you got the idea and you figured out how to make it happen, still nothing's happened. You need that vav. What's a vav? A vav is the same as the yud. The vav is the same as the yud. A vav is just a yud, but brought down to earth. You implement the plan. You implement the plan, so then you have the full dimension of the plan, which could be my, my smartphone is the implementation. This building, you know how much we went through just in the planning of this place? You know, I sat in all these meetings over and over again, just a creative group of us sat, and we just spent hours and hours and hours and hours creatively thinking through this place. They, they followed none of our ideas, by the way. <laughs> I'm not angry. I was already on staff, so like, you know, what, what do I care what I do next hour if I'm teaching a group or if I'm doing a creative plan for this place? But the people we hired, you know, for it were not so happy. Um, very happy that the building I think came out great. Um, anyway, but we were in the we were in the dimension plan there. Then they started digging. This place was on rock, so you're on the level of the rock right here. This because you know you're on the co- you're on the Jewish quarter level, you came right in off the street here. So this was all rock, all the way to the edge. And it took them, I think, I think it was two years to dig. Well, so like all you, when we were in our other building, all, the whole time it was just like, for two years straight, like every class. From the digging and the digging and the digging. But it was like, it was like the digging and the digging and the digging and the digging and the digging. And then, and then they built this building, which was first just a shell, and it was freezing in here. And then, and then, but finally, boom, dimension. Here we are. You know, like a pop-up book. Like you're, imagine you're right now in a pop-up book, and I open it. Here we are. You know, the dimension of the class. And even with the students, we hoped would come. You know, so like, here, it all came together. Got it? So you see how the yud and the hay and the bub and the hay are... are the name of God is, is a verb. You get that? It's a verb. All the names of God are verbs. And, uh, but it, it tells us more. There's a lot we're going to find out about this particular name of Hashem. And uh, one of those things is that, is that clearly, since, since God's the one who did it, you know, is doing the creation through this means, through this, this is the creative name. This is... And we're, our physical world is that hey, there are there are these worlds that this is coming down. All these parallel worlds. It's where you go when you die. So there are all these parallel worlds that that God's causing you know the the His endless light, infinite light, to be obscured by these worlds that are like veils or 
kind of like uh, cells of film that veil the light. But cells of film are as good because there's images on the cell of film, which is creating the 3D image down here. So just like the, you know, I can show you on this board that you can see the board here. So, how you feeling? <laughs> so when I when I stick my hand here, you see the image of those fingers, right? So that's because I'm veiling the light. So there's worlds upon worlds upon worlds upon worlds. That's the vav coming down the system. But when it finally hits our world, where it like it it where the light was so obscured that there actually appears to be physicality. Where the light got so obscured that there's actual physicality. Meaning it seems almost as if all the light was turned off. Believe me, it wasn't. <laughs> Believe me, it wasn't. Let me show you what it looks like when all the light's turned off. Can you just press the, the top button on the light panel? The, um, it's behind you. The lower panel's the lights. Top button, please. Yeah, everyone look at my hand. <laughs> there's light here. Lots of it. Can you turn it back on? Okay. Should I say that again? Will that get more powerful if I redo it? <laughs> you can see me over there? That was cool, right? <laughs> Till you obscured the light, obscured the light, world after world after world, meaning cell of film, cell of film, of some blocking, blocking the light. By the way, what do physicists say the whole world's made of? Light. Light energy, which ultimately becomes matter. How light energy becomes matter, they have no idea. That's what there's a whole university called theoretical physics. Sorry, a whole university. I just say machlaka in English. Uh, section. Section of the. There's department, thank you. There's a whole department that studies theoretical physics. But notice it's what kind of physics? Theoretical, because you're, you can't have anything but theory for this kind of stuff. But Kabbalah goes into rocket science detail. That if you guys just wanted to study the Kabbalah of how this all happens, if you started studying today and we came back, let's say, David, uh, 50 years later, and you know, we'd like follow your beard through the building until we got to your chin, and you know, we'd ask you, like, did you figure it out? Did you get it? And you'd just be like, I got a lot, but I don't know what it is. You know, like, you wouldn't have ever gotten it. And, and so it's tremendous detail. Now, physicists have no clue. It's purely extraction from the physical. You have to extract from the physical, which we do have a great hint, because now that they know protons, neutrons, electrons, now that they know the quantum, so now they're starting to work back much more accurately. Now, how, who am I to say it's more accurate? Because I've studied some of the Kabbalah stuff, and they're really getting very close to it all. They're getting close to the actual equations that are going on in, in these vibrational worlds, these frequency vibration worlds, which is all numbers. It's a numbers game. The whole thing's numbers. And it's equations. And we are inside these, we are the bottom end of all the equations. When they finally kind of harden, they, 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 they weave themselves into this physical world, which is all just the consciousness of God. All there is of the consciousness of God, which is inside of you, which is your soul, back to the soul. You are made of that consciousness. But the crazy part is this is made of the consciousness. The physicality is made of the consciousness. Which is back to the war against the West, and the West only wants to focus on the physicality, and we want to focus on the consciousness. That's the war with the West. That's the war with the Greeks. That's the war with the United States of Asaph. That is the war. We are in a war. 
and they're going to try to stop us. And apparently, I, I'm doing all this research on YouTube right now and whatever, but apparently fluoride is one of their weapons. So, so if you live in America, get a reverse osmosis machine. And, and I, there's no toothpaste in my house. I just, like, yeah. learned about this the other day. There's no toothpaste. What? My kid's like, we got to brush our teeth. And I'm like, use mouthwash and what? use a dry toothbrush, you know. Yeah, so, Wait. but God willing, on my way home, I'm going to be yeah. buying non-fluoride toothpaste. Yeah, yeah. I used, yesterday we were shopping. I spent 3,000 shekels in the market, but I, 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 like, my eyes were getting tired reading the instructions, the ingredients on all the toothpaste. And, uh, but there was fluoride on it, everyone. So, anyway, stay away from fluoride. Um, little rare, r- rarely known fact is the first time fluoride was ever put in water was by the Nazis in the concentration camps. So now it's in everyone's water. Israel finally got it out of the water. And, uh, and, but it's very interesting when you have the nation of, of prophets in concentration camps, and then you fluoride their, their uh, receptors. Pretty interesting. And Western Civ has been in a long war against the receptors, meaning the soul, which is, has its receptors. And, and, the, uh, and so... Apparently, we're supposed to, by the way, I don't know that much about that. I only heard this like two days ago and did a bunch of like research. Uh, but my research was all Google and YouTube. Um, no, but it was all scientific. These were doctors. These were MDs speaking about, about spiritual receptors being dull and dulled. Which brings us to the X generation of people who are feeling like there's no God, that nothing happens after you die, that everything's physical. Whoever had human beings speaking like that? Human beings don't speak like that. That's, this is a novelty. that you, you have whole population of human beings who believe we're just advanced animals. Mm, sounds like someone's spiritual receptors have been fluorided. Right? People never spoke this way. This is like, uh, we're, not, we're not just advanced algae. You know? There's a particularly handsome piece of algae right here. So, now... So what I was saying is that light is, is, is veiled out of the creation until there's finally, until finally enough light's missing that you can actually have this physical world. So, but that makes it seem like, listen carefully, this is the point I was making, that was a long version. It makes it seem like there's no um, light down here from what I just described. I mean, it's like the light was removed. But now, oh, look at our, my assistant disappeared. Um, can, can you uh, press that top switch on the light panel? But now, watch what happens when you actually remove the light. Turn it back on. So what you discover, ladies and gentlemen, is that there's a tremendous amount of light. A tremendous amount. In fact, there's so much light from Hashem that there's, ready for this? only light of Hashem. You saw what happened when we turned it off. That's all there is. There's only the light of Hashem. So all of you have been like thinking, wow, this world's pretty physical, man. I'm supposed to believe in God? <laughs> believe in God like, like Gentiles have to believe? That's all, all there is, is God. That's all This consciousness is is what's called Mashiach consciousness. 
available right here, right now. The, uh, for you to actually live in that consciousness is very important because it creates a critical mass eventually where the world will live in Mashiach consciousness. Which goes to the other subject of all of you who <coughs> keep thinking, you know, you're, you're still sitting by the campfire singing Animami. <laughs> like some pie in the sky. It's called Yamosa Mashiach. It's not called Mashiach the Dude. It's called the, the times, the era, the, the, the period of time that is the Yamosa Mashiach. And it is a slow build-up, just like dawn. And that's why it's always considered like the, the sunrise. It's a slow build-up, just like the dawn rises. You know, you guys seen dawn, how beautiful. But then all of a sudden the sun pierces, and you're just like, wow. The sun pierces, and that's, that's, the, that's the guy, that's the dude. The dude is when the sun hits the horizon. When the sun hits the rise, and that's the dude. But we're right now in the in this amazing age of consciousness. And and what is the consciousness? The consciousness is that the physical is, is the spiritual. That's the consciousness. And now, once you realize the physical is the spiritual, <laughs> guess what? You gotta go pour over halacha books. Now, see, most people think when it gets this spiritual. Gee, this is cool, man. I don't like the... Halacha is kind of burdening, you know. I like the spirituality. No. The opposite. Now that I know that everything is this consciousness, I don't want to do nothing to mess it up. So, like, get me to the halachic books. Get me over those halacha books and let me pour over the halacha. Let me get it real clear. Because I don't want anything messing me up from this consciousness. Because once you get the consciousness, you'll do anything to hold on to it. Well, we got a great book of instructions called Halacha, how to make sure that you don't get messed up in, the, in this world and have your consciousness taken away from you. By the way, missing Halacha, like messing up on Jewish law, makes fluoride look like, look like creosotera, meaning it makes fluoride look like nothing. You know, you don't worry about, by the way, fluoride, let's first get you like <laughs> keeping Shabbat properly. You know, we'll worry about fluoride next. You know, fluoride is nothing compared to a Jew who is ignorant of Jewish law. There's no way to have God consciousness. When, he, when I say God consciousness, I'm not saying to think about God or to feel God or go down to the hotel and have an amazing Friday night experience. I'm talking about walking around where the physical and the spiritual start to bl start to blur, where, where you're literally in Mashiach consciousness. I'm talking literally the consciousness of spirituality in the physical. That requires halacha. I mean, someone can be spaced out to halacha and have an amazing Friday night at the Kotel. And I'm sure many, I've watched them. You know, I've seen the birthright groups hiding their smartphones having the time of their life at the Kotel. You know, they, they, that's totally available. You don't have to worry about halacha to dance around like a mashugana at the Kotel on Friday night. But if you want God consciousness, the true God consciousness, the Mashiach consciousness, you have to be going very, very strict. And when I say strict, I don't mean humor. I mean you have to be strictly adherent to the law. Because the law is what governs the dark side. 
Um, and yesterday I mentioned tribes of the world. The tribes of the world are very cognizant of this. Do you know how many rules tribes have? Meaning the truly conscious tribes. They have a lot of rules. A lot of rules. In fact, they have so many rules because they don't have halacha. So they, we, have, we may have many more, but they have rules that are too strict because they just don't know the nuances. They don't, they don't understand the nuances. So, um, so they're, they're a little too strict. I had one of these tribal guys who happened to be Jewish. So meaning he had gotten clung on to one of these tribes. And so when he came here, he was like the most spiritual guy Ashitori ever met. And uh, he was married. And when we told him that when his wife is, it's during her time of menstruation, when we told him that she could actually cook for him, he was like, hallelujah, I'm in. You know, because this poor guy had been starving for like five years every two weeks. You know, so he's, he's eating like crackers and, uh, and cream cheese, you know, for two weeks a month. So the, um, I'm sorry, for a week a month, because he didn't know anything about some other halakha. But one week a month, he had nothing to eat. And suddenly, you know, we didn't have to convince him more. He went straight to the Sitsis store and, like, bought himself a pair when we, <laughs> when we told him that she could cook for him. Now, on the other hand, are the tribes so wrong if, they, if she's married to a coin? Hmm? Are the tribes so wrong if she's married to a coin? They're right on the money. The tribes are right on the money if she's married to a coin. He ain't going to be eating no wife-cooked food. Yeah. So, so it's, they're not wrong. And I found it time and time again. They're strict in most cases, but even in their, in their halachas to keep, wait, to keep the consciousness clear, there, um, there, there is always, a, I found every time, there's always an application somewhere in Judaism for this overly stringent law of theirs that just, you know, they didn't know how to apply it. They just know the basic spiritual fundamentals of kryptonite, meaning things that, kryptonite I'm using as a term to mean things that are bad for you spiritually. They know it very well, but they don't know the, they don't have halacha. They don't have the details. Okay, now, this name clearly shows God as the master of it all. So since it shows God as the master of it all, we use the term master when we say this name. In fact, we're not even allowed to pronounce this name. The J Witnesses. You heard of the J Witnesses? Yeah. So that's a bad pronunciation of it, but it's pretty darn close. You know, because the Yud is not a J, but you'll notice Yud always comes J, like a Yehudi is Judah, right? Yehuda, Judah is Yehuda. They always use a J. The uh, Rastafarians call the Yud and Hey, they call it Ja. You know how the Rastafarians say, Say Shema, Ja beat one. <laughs> ja beat one. So, <laughs> sounds like a creature out of Star Wars. <laughs> ja beat one. So, the, um, anyway, so they always, the Yud always becomes a J. Okay? And I think in Spanish, the Yud is spelled J, actually. And that's the word J. Is that right in Spanish? Oh, no, Cha. The Chet is a J. Yeah, so anyway, the J is, uh, the Yud becomes a J. But think about the j, j, and then, I'm not going to say it. Well, you're allowed to say hove. Hove just means present tense, which is another hint of what we're talking about here. Present tense. So, yud, the idea, is what's creating the present tense. Meaning the idea maker, meaning the mind of God. The mind of God is creating hove. Because the, the word yud and hey and vav and hey, 
is a play on the names Hayav Hove and lastly Yehi yeah, sorry, my writing's getting bad down there. Uh, but you can't spell those? You could, but I'm just extra careful. These two you can. And yeah, which means... I'm running out of ink here. Let's try this one. Shalom, welcome. How's it going, ladies? Uh, there's a seat back there. Ready. And uh, you want to come join Moisha over here? Come join Moish. Come, uh, yeah, Greg, come join Moish. Table for two over there, and you can pull the third Greg, chair. It says you have an appointment. Is that somewhere else? What's the appointment? It says David Char- Charlene Agnon. David and Charlene Agnon. Is that going to be Yeah, but it's at 3.30. Yeah. Okay, that's in 12 minutes. Thank you. Okay, we have Wednesdays. We go a little longer because uh, there's, there's usually a tour. Is there a tour today? No. No, no tour today. Okay. Is there a class? Am I, like, eating in no. someone's time? No. Okay. So this spells Haya which is was, is, and what? Will be. Okay, was, is, and will be. And the... When you teach some class, after enough time, you just got to do random stuff. So, was, is, and will be. And these are my children, was, is, and will be. So... <laughs> I got I actually got this from my brother I, I was teaching a group of Persians in Los Angeles which seems to be the only people you can teach in Los Angeles and I was teaching these Persians and like I don't know 150, 200 people in the room and I guess because my brother's I have an older brother who's olive skin and dark hair um, he snuck into the class at one point I didn't see and so he s- stands up in the back of the class and he's, I, I got to this point and he's like he's like in his best, like, Persian accent, he's like, stands up, and he says, I'm looking at my brother, you know, who's six foot three, you know, he's like, Rabbi, I understand that God was, I understand that God is, but, no, I, ha- I had not written the word will be, yeah, I wrote will be, he's like, but who is this will be? <laughs> the whole room just turned around, going like, what? <laughs> who is this will be? And I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, my brother Sam. <laughs> so ever since then, I've been using this. Okay, so was, is, and will be. So ha Yehovah and Yihiet is the makeup of these letters, right? ha ya and Hovet, and and then there you got Yihiet. Okay, was, is, and will be, otherwise known as outside of space and time. This refers to God beyond space and time. The creator, okay? The creator of it all, outside space and time. So what are the two things we have in mind? Master of the world, meaning total control of this entire situation, meaning we're all inside it, he's running it. And that's why we use the name Ado and then Nai. I'm being careful not to say it, even though I could, but I'm not going to. So it's the Ado and then Nai word which I'll say from now on, Adne. That's why we use the same Adne, which means my master. Adon means master. With the Noi at the end, and it's not Nai, by the way, it's Noi. So everyone say Noi. Noi. I know it's usually Ashkenazi, we're messing up the Oi word, you know, because we're using it for everything. You know, Shalom. Yeah. 
So we're always doing the oi, Moishe. Mashlam Khan Moishe. Moishe. So there's no, there's no oi in Moishe. It's really Moshe. Okay? But Ashkenazim mess it up. But when it comes to noi, we're not messing it up. It's an actual nun with a comets underneath, which contracts. Comets contracts. Pasaf opens. And expansion, contraction. Okay, so it's, it's a is Pasach under the a, do, and then noi. Because the comets with a yud is a noi. Okay, everyone say noi. Noi. And you're not being one of these oivai Ashkenazic when you do that. Okay, it's actually noi. Um, you do get people who say nai. Um, it's not the end of the world, obviously, but uh, but in correcting them would probably be a mistake. Um, but don't be one of them, okay? You just say, meaning, when you're saying that name, you should be saying it right. So we say it, but what we think is the yud and the hay and the vav and the hay while you're saying it. That's what you'll see sometimes in Kabbalistic sitters. You'll see they'll put they'll intersperse it. They'll put an aleph here and then a dalit here and then a yud here, aleph dalit nun and then a yud here. And then we'll have another one that has the olive here, the dollar here, the nun here, and the yud here. Some sitters really rip you off, and they just, I don't know if they're saving ink, but they just put two yuds. The first yud represents the name of God, and meaning as it's spelled, and the second yud represents the final letter of Abo, and then Noi. It's the final yud of, of Noi. Did you know that? Now you do. But they're really leaving a lot up to you because you're supposed to be concentrating on this every time you say it. So, like, that's really leaving it up in the air, you know, to just put two yuds. So these days, sitters are being printed for people who want to really get this stuff done right and slowly and concentrated, and they're putting everything in there. You should see, when I say, when I use my sitter for the ado word, there is so much written in there. There's more written by just the name of God than the whole paragraph that I'm saying. And so I say it nice and slow, go through it all. And now, am I always doing it nice and slow? Like, for example, when my wife's expecting me home in 15 minutes, am I doing it nice and slow? You're all, the, all the men are like, probably. And all the women are like, definitely. So the, the answer is, is that if I'm in a hurry, I'm not going to do it. But I will do it a couple times. I don't want to, like, totally blow off Dominic. You know, I don't want to, like, you know, just a spaz. If I'm gonna, if I'm already praying, like, okay, take one or two of them and do 10, 15 seconds on the name of God. Well, it's a big deal. Like, at least you, when you get home and you're eating dinner with the wife and kids, you feel like you prayed. You know, you feel like you connected to this being that's creating us. Now, but it's never too late. I mean, I get home, I make blessings on the food too. So sometimes if Mari wasn't so great, and now I'm finally at the house, and I'm, like, drinking my beer. So so my kids will see, like, I do, like, the 30-second ado, and then noi. And so when I finish the blessing, my wife's like, lousy Mari, huh? <laughs> so you can see I'm making up for something. You know, I, mean, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out. I want the consciousness. You know, I don't want to miss the consciousness. You want to miss the consciousness? You don't want to miss the consciousness. You want to miss the consciousness? You don't want to miss that. And especially in life's pleasures. In life's pleasures. Because that's the ultimate I love you. See, if you're praying, you're not getting life's pleasures. You're getting just a very pure kind of spiritual pleasure. But how about when you taste a craft beer? You ever had a good IPA? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so next time you have that IPA, try it with this. Yeah. 
Don't worry about the rest of the words. Just say this one. Just kidding. So, I'm just kidding. But, but I mean, you're literally drinking Hashem. And, and when you can tie that together, when you can tie it together, it's incredible. Incredible. And everything. I mean, why do you think he put the covenant where he did? You know, why is the bris where it is? It's God saying, like, I'm, I'm connecting to you in your pleasure centers. That's what he wants. That he connects to us via the pleasure. Everyone's turned it into a sin. But it's, it, it certainly could be. <laughs> but, the, but the reason there's so many laws around food, you notice there's a ton of laws around food, and there's a ton of laws around sexuality. The reason they're around those things is because, is because these are where God's showing you his love. These are God's expression of love to you. And, and so he's putting lots of laws so you have the consciousness. Remember what we were saying before? Lots of laws around the consciousness. So the greatest pleasures are the places people usually lose consciousness. They get wrapped up in it. Their minds get consumed in it. And so there's lots of laws around food, and there's lots of laws around sexuality. And uh, those are like mounds of laws. In fact, of the six tractates of the Talmud, one is called Nashim, which has everything to do with sexuality, and the other, and and then there's there's um, there's called uh, Zraim. Zraim is all about the foods and, and stuff like that. But there's even in uh, other ones about meat in uh, in Kodshim, you know, the, the whole Masechtas of uh, all about about dealing with animal eating animals and stuff. Yes, sir. In terms of singularity of Hamot of Allah, one more thing I want to mention is that because you're taking the life force of an animal, so there's different life force in animal. Fish has very little life force, and you can basically just take it out of the water. I mean, you shouldn't make it squirm around; you should bang it on the head or something. But like, kill it quickly. But it's not going to notice whether you killed it quickly or not. It doesn't have that cognition. Uh, bird, on the other hand, has more cognition, not tons. <laughs> All you do is watch a bird walking around, a chicken walking around, to know there's not a ton of cognition going on there. Um, but so there, you gotta you gotta slaughter it in a way that it cuts off the oxygen to the brain, in, like instant cut off to the brain, and you've got to um, and you gotta remove all of its blood. But the whole entire animal is edible. Then you get to uh, to uh, animals like uh, cow, goat, goats, sheep. There, you have to slaughter it so it's instant death, cut off the oxygen to the brain. You have to um, remove not only the blood, but there's all these animal parts you got to remove in order to make that one edible. Because the more life force inside the animal, the more, the more you need to do to make it edible for you and not something that's going to be of negative, negative <coughs> spiritual energy. Because there can be a lot of negative spiritual energy around killing animals for your food. And so there's a lot needs to be done. Very little life force, bang it on the head. More life force, remove its blood. More life force, remove its blood. And a couple other parts need to make sure they don't make it onto your dinner plate. And so, uh, but, but no kashrut, meaning just, you know, sh electric shocking an animal and then turning it into a meat grinder to make burgers is, uh, is going to have extreme ramifications on one's spirituality, once again making fluoride look like nothing.
Yes. I'm just wondering, in terms of uh, halacha, so Shabbos, I don't know an individual masechet, uh, I think it's one of longer, and is that like because it bridges food and, uh, depending on the uh, situation, a physical pleasure, possibly with food or without? Why, Shabbos so long? No, I'm just wondering, like, uh, because you were saying halacha, it's got the most concerning to its food and uh, physical pleasure or uh, human sexuality. So it's amazing you bring up Shabbos, because Shabbos is the relationship. The most important word of you say the entire Shabbos, you probably hear when they make Kiddush, is the word verasavano. You know that word, verasavano? He wanted us. You guys know that word? Asher verasavano. It's part of Kiddush. Okay, you're good. You didn't kill it. No. Let it reconnect. Any water in here? Yeah. Oh, thank you. So, we're almost done, guys. We're in our, like, last minute. <laughs> the death rows of this class. Um, where are we holding? What was I just saying? Oh, Baratzavano is because we're all wearing our man hat. We're all wearing our man hat. We're all asserting, we're all doing the sixth thing, the vav thing, which is the male. The male is the vav, the connector. Okay? Meaning the vav is what connects things. Heaven to earth. Zev connects thoughts in a sentence, the word vav, the letter vav, or the word vav. And six days a week, we're all being the man, and God wants us. And so there's tons of halachas on Shabbat, because it's all, Shabbat is the key relationship of our existence on earth. That's what we're doing here. We are only brought here to have a relationship with God. He lets us run around for six days and actually pretend we're doing something that, as I said earlier, no one's going to remember. And the, but what's eternal is the relationship. And that Shabbat was reserved for that. And it gets a ton of halachas. Shabbat is, you know, just a massive amount of halachas for that. Halachas, you know the word halachas, Jewish law. Sorry, I'm using it so freely. Halachas means Jewish law. It means to walk. But it's how to walk with God consciousness is you got to learn the laws, which are the halachas. Okay. Right, you guys want to practice some words? Halacha. Try that. Halacha. Halacha. Good, good. And in plural, it's halachos. Halachos. Try that. Halachos. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, so if we practice being in the hove, in the is, yeah. then does that mean we'll connect to our essence? If you practice to be in the is, you will definitely connect to the essence and connect it to God, for sure. God consciousness is the, the key to God consciousness is being in reality. And <laughs> what other reality is there than God? So the problem is, is we're never in reality. We're always calculating for tomorrow or we're regretting the past or, you know, we're like, we're always lost. That's why in my seminars, The Possible You, which I'm running a women's one in two weeks, I think it's less than that. Less than two weeks. Check the... Uh, January 24th. Yeah, it's two weeks. Sorry, Sunday, January 28th. What? No, Thursday is the 24th. January 25th. No. Oh, January 21st. January 21st. Is that in two weeks? Less than two weeks. Anyway, ladies, you should really be at that. But what I was going to say is the reason I run these seminars... The reason I run these things is because the mind is so busy with the past. Meaning, what do what does everyone in this room do who is not trained? With if you haven't gotten this kind of training, 
What does everyone do? You take every current situation and match it with everything you've ever been through and calculate your way through it so you don't get like, you don't get anything reminded of, of you don't want any of this turning into that. Get what I'm saying? In other words, we're taking, we're taking the now, yeah, it's all subconscious, but, we're t- but you can train your way out of that. We're taking the now, killing it, by applying the past to the now to somehow see how I can somehow digitize it and protect myself from having any of this turn into that. That's your life. That's all you do. And so when I, when I discovered that you can actually snap someone out of that, you can actually take someone out of that constant killing of now, which is where God is. The whole point of the possible you is just to get you here. But, and getting you here, oh, so why don't I just go, like, go to some mind, some mindfulness retreat, and, you know, just sit here and go like this all day, and be in the moment, which we do in this class sometimes. Why don't I just do that? Because the problem, you're going to leave that retreat, and you're, you're going to leave that retreat, and you're going to wind up right back in your, in your stuff. So what we do in the seminar is we actually arrest the stuff, meaning we, like a cop puts something under arrest. We put, the, we put your stuff of the past, which is how you're constantly vigilant for it in the present, and we arrest those patterns. We, first of all, we recognize the pattern, we find them, and then we, we kill them instead of kill now. We kill the pattern rather than killing the now. And then once you got your patterns worked out, and there's a men's seminar next month, by the way, because you look interested. So once you kill the pattern, he's not a Gesher guy. He's a Gesher Madrid. Oh, you're cool. So, uh, what's, I don't know about that. It's like Nazism. Trying to, it's like fluoride. You know? So, anyway, the, um, anyway, the, what happens is that you, can, that you can actually kill the past instead of the now by getting those patterns recognized. What happens is your mind goes quiet and you suddenly get access you gain access. Once you're in the access, you're in a Gaulidic mind frame. You're, you look at your parents and you're like, oh my gosh, my, I didn't even see my mother. I was so busy, caught up in the stories about my mother and how much love I always needed but never got because she was always kind of ripping it out of me, telling me, uh, telling me how much nachas she was, I was going to give her somehow. Meaning, is that called giving or taking? Which one is that, giving or taking? That's taking. When a mother's telling her daughter how much nachas she's going to give her, what a good mate she's going to be. In. And, you know, you're going to make mama proud and stuff. You're giving or you're taking? Taking. You're taking. And, and so what happens is when you get the patterns of your story and you realize that your story is just a story and you can finally let it go to the past, you now look at your mama, you now look at your mama and you're like, you're the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Thank you for my life. Thank you for everything. And you see your siblings. You see, you, you suddenly are interfacing with people professionally that you never would have dreamed of interfacing with them. But they're story free. And I'll just let you know something, everybody. People who are conscious are not snobs. It's just that they attract other people of consciousness and they uh, repel people who are stuck in stories. So you find yourself, once, you're, once you get your stories in the past, 
suddenly you find yourself interacting with people you would have only dreamed of interacting with. And for those who want to make a lot of money, it is really good professionally to have your past where it belongs. Where does your past belong? Everyone say in the past. Where does your past belong? In the past. It's very beneficial to have your past in the past, in the past. because because it creates a vibrational frequency that other conscious people will move into your life. And then you now you're involved in a whole other... Now, it's not that, you know, it's you make through new friends, keep the old. It's not that you're, you're dumping your friends or your family. The opposite, you now see them and love them. But all of a sudden, you've got this whole new world of conscious people to interact with and to synergize with, to bring about via high-tech, and this is what's going on in the high-tech world, via high-tech to bring the consciousness movement, which is ultimately going to usher in Yamosa Mashiach, the consciousness that the physical world and the spiritual world are one. The, now, here's the crazy thing, is what gets in the way of your experiencing that oneness, amongst all the things we mentioned, halachas, fluoride, <laughs> lack of lack of God understanding, lack of understanding, but all, you guys really, you got to understand. Lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. Are you ready for the biggest one? The biggest one is your own story of your own life that rips away your current experience of life. You wind up, you turn every experience into the concept of the experience. You turn every, listen carefully, I'm saying something very deep right now. You're turning every experience into a concept as opposed to the experience. Like a tourist walking around with their cell phone, you know, through the Jewish corridor, saying like, Oh, this is going to be amazing. Whoa, I can't wait to see this. This is going to be great. You know, and you just want to rip their phone out of their hand and say, like, be here. But we're doing that all the time without the phone. It's even more dangerous. We're doing it all the time because we're living in the concept of our experience of life as opposed to the experience of life. Why? Because you've got to protect yourself because you were hurt when you were little. And, you're, and, every, and usually the times we're hurt the most is embarrassments feeling insignificant, feeling unworthy, feeling not noticed, feeling like we don't matter. Those are the biggest ones. And what happens is we're always around people. Like, you can't get away from people unless you want to move up to a cave in the mountains. You're always going to be around people. But every time you're around people, it relocks in the possibility of <coughs> humiliation. Of another time I'm going to feel like I don't matter. And so, everywhere you go, you're calculating instead of experiencing. You're in constant calculation as opposed to the experience of life, which is, is, Hovet, Yud, God, the creator of all. Hovet is only creating now, because now is the unfolding of infinite. God is unfolding infinite into finite. That's why I love the word infinite, because it means infinite. He's infinite. He's not just limited out there. God's not limited by anything. Infinite means unlimited. It's also in here. It's infinite. Thank you for joining me for another class in practical spirituality. Um, can I get, can I get, girls, can you just help? You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.